Well, uh, turn to Exodus chapter 12 in your bulletins or Bibles. And I want to ask all the uh, parents who are at home who are tuning in to um, call your kids. And I want to talk to the kids for a minute. So kids, come as close to the screen as would be safe for you. Although kids here can stay in your seats. So kids, I think that I know something about you. I'm pretty sure that you want to grow up, don't you? You want to be older, you want to be taller, and you want to be just older and bigger. And I remember this as a kid myself. When I was a kid, I would use the half markers to describe my age. I'm not just six. I'm six and a half. I'm six and three quarters. I'm 10, but I'm almost 11. Almost 11. Kids want to grow up. And for good reason. We want to graduate to the next stage of life. Small kids want to become bigger kids. Bigger kids want to become teenagers. Teenagers want to become full-blown adults. And it makes sense because when you're older, you get new freedoms, you get new responsibilities. Growing up means that you get to be with the bigger, bigger kids in the next class. Growing up means that you can ride all of the rides in the amusement park. There's no more, it's like five more inches. It's like, now I can get to grow, go on the green dragon at Six Flags. I don't even think Green Dragon exists, but um, here's, here's another graduation point. When the whole world becomes your amusement park because you get the keys and a driver's license, that's what growing up means. So kids, guess what? You and I share the same thing because I'm still a kid at heart. We both want to grow up. We both want more freedoms. We both want more responsibilities. We want to stretch our necks and strain and become who God has created us to be, and that is a good thing. That is a good thing. It means that you want your life to count. It means that you want your life to fulfill its potential, and that is awesome. We want your lives to count too, and we are committed to help, helping you grow in Christ. So here's another question for the kids. How does that happen? How do you grow up? I mean, like, doing this doesn't exactly work. The one thing that you can do to grow up, you got to do it every single day, several times a day, and that is you got to eat. You got to eat, dude. That's how you grow up. You sit down at the table and you eat what's in front of you. Your dad or your mom or your grandma or your grandpa made you food. They make you food all the time. And they put it in front of you saying, here you go. It's not enough to just look at the food. It's not enough to just think about the food, reflect on the food, have your quiet time in the food. You need to eat the food. You need to chew it and digest it and take it into your life and make it a part of your life. The same is true if you want to grow as a Christian. You got to eat, dude. 
Jesus gave you a meal called the Eucharist. And he gave you a story that explains the meal called the gospel. It is an edible theology lesson every week and every day that you reflect on it. You got to feed on that meal and on the story that explains it. Week in, week out, day in, day out. You got to take it into your life. You got to take it into your heart. And you got to make it part of your story too. You got to eat if you're going to grow up. Now, our reading from Exodus is a meal from God, especially for kids. Adults are included, of course. But God has a special heart for the kids and a special eye for the kids. God came up with the recipe for the meal, the clothes that everyone will wear, the decorations, and also, this is very important, the answers to the questions that the kids are going to ask. Kids ask a lot of questions. So if you're a kid, all that you need to bring to this meal is a mouth. Uh, A mouth for eating and a mouth for asking questions. Raise your hand if you have a mouth. Everyone, if you have a mouth, raise your hand. Okay? That means you're invited. At this special meal, the adults will prepare God's recipe. And they will prepare the theology lesson that goes with the recipe. They will feed their kids' mouths with God's special meal and with God's special story about what the meal means. So even though this meal is for kids, it started with a very serious and scary situation. God's people were slaves in Egypt. An evil man named Pharaoh, an evil series of men named Pharaoh, had been making the parents and the kids do very horrible things. Horrible, unjust work. Horrible, unjust situations, work they didn't want to do. He was stealing from them every day. He was stealing their very life. He was killing them too. And he was hurting them. So the people of God did what any kid would do in that situation. They cried out for help. Help! They cried out to their dad, their father God. Help! Help! We need help. Please free us from this evil man and all that he's doing to kill us and hurt us and take from us. And that moved God's heart with compassion because he's a fatherly God. And he heard his kids crying out and he said, I can't just ignore my kids' cries. I need to actually step into history and help them and rescue them and take them away from this evil system, take them out of this horribly demeaning and unjust situation. So here's what God did. First, he warned Pharaoh about a dozen times. And each time got more serious. It's like the warnings and then the consequences, then the consequences get worse. Kids, you probably know about this. Um, Pharaoh didn't listen. He only got more mean and more evil. So God released a very dangerous angel in Egypt called a destroyer angel. Destroyer angel. He let the destroyer destroyer angel go through all of Egypt, bringing judgment on each house that was participating in this evil system. If you were against God, the destroyer angel would bring judgment on your house. Verse 12 
of um, Exodus 12 says this, For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. On, and on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. If you were with God, the destroyer would pass over your house. But in order for that to happen, you had to kill a spotless lamb. And the meat of the lamb would be roasted for dinner. You would roast it in a very special way, with special herbs. The blood of the lamb was supposed to be painted over the frame of the door. The destroyer angel would see the blood and would say, a spotless lamb gave its life for this house. I need to pass over this house because God's mercy has covered it through the lamb. Verse 13 says that the blood of the lamb shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So there was the meat of the lamb to feed you. There was the blood of the lamb to cover you from God's judgment. And then there was the, interestingly, the outfit that you wore to this special meal. You had to dress in special clothes to be part of this meal and eat it like you were going on a trip. Verse 11 says this, In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, with sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. All right. Kids and adults, question for you. Have you ever eaten breakfast with only a few minutes to spare before you had to leave for school or leave for practice? Okay, here's how it goes. All right, you've got your coat on. You've got your backpack on, you're standing up, like wolfing it down. And maybe someone's like in your ear being like, wolf it down, we have to go. You're like, okay. The, only, the reason is like you have a place to be and you have a place to be fast. So you're standing up, backpack's on, your coat's on, you're ready to move. The reason is you don't want to miss your ride. You don't want to be late. Um, at the Passover meal, Everyone had to eat as if they were ready to go. You had to eat fast, and you had to eat in your travel clothes. And you ate standing up because right after the dinner was finished, it's go time. Everyone out the door forever. You're getting out of Egypt. You're getting out of slavery. You're escaping. Right after the destroyer angel came through, the deliverer God was coming to rescue his people and spring them out forever. And so they had to be ready to follow God right out of their homes, right out of slavery, right out of Egypt, right to the promised land. Eat in haste. You got to have your belt on. You got to have your staff in your hand. You got to wolf it down. Now, here's the important part. Future generations needed to experience this rescue. They had to like feel it in their bones that they were being delivered. Future generations who were not part of the original meal needed to experience it because they needed to know God as deliverer. They needed to know that God was rescuing them from sin 
and from other evil people. Like God was a deliverer. He would rescue you. He would cleanse you. He would, he would cover your sin like the blood of the lamb covered the sins of um, uh, people who were in Egypt that were about to be delivered. He doesn't just deliver from judgment once or from sin once. He's always ready to deliver for all generations, forever and ever he's a deliverer. And so how are they going to know? If you didn't live in Egypt for the first Passover, how would you know that God was a deliverer um, for you as well? Let me tell you a story. When I was a college student, I got free tickets to a pretty amazing place called Medieval Times. Maybe you've heard of Medieval Times. Medieval Times is an immersive experience. It's a dinner theater involving food and history. Medieval Times is placed inside a large, ancient-looking castle, conveniently located next to a suburban highway. And when you walk inside Medieval Times, you find that people are dressed and armed for a medieval battle. Long trumpets blow and announce the arrival of great lords and ladies, princesses and warriors. Along with other spectators, I was placed inside a coliseum. And um, I was brought a half chicken meal, which I had to eat with my hands. They, they didn't give you utensils. You, you eat it with your bare hands. You rip the, you know, it's like medieval times. I cheered on the knights who jousted with each other to seek the hand of a fair maiden. Now, I've eaten tens of thousands of meals that I have forgotten. Yet I remember this one meal from 20 years ago down to the half chicken course. Why is that? The reason I remember it so well is that I was placed inside of a drama, a three-dimensional story with special clothes and food, I participated in the story by eating a special meal and celebrating the victory of a great and noble prince. All of this imprinted in my mind a picture of medieval times, however cartoonishly displayed. Um, It was an edible history lesson. An edible history lesson. Now listen, the Passover meal works in a similar way. We might call it dinner theater catechism. God created the Passover as an edible theology lesson for future generations of kids, every generation to come, including ours, and ones to come, to learn three-dimensionally that God is a deliverer. Uh, In the words of uh, one thinker, the past is never dead. It's not even past. He's still a deliverer. There's still pharaohs out there and pharaohs in here, and we need to be delivered. So let's go on down to the dinner theater catechism and learn what it means to be set free. Verse 24 of Exodus says this, you shall observe this rite as a statute for you and your sons forever. And when, he is, and when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. Meaning when you're not in Egypt, you'll still have the Passover meal. 
you'll still slaughter a lamb. The blood will go on the door. The meat will be roasted. You'll still eat it in haste, staff in hand, belts around waist. You'll still gather all the children. They'll bring their mouths to eat and ask questions with. Now, parents, here's a question for you and those who spend time with kids. Can you see how well God knows kids and the heart of kids? He must be a father because he knows about the questions that kids ask. He knows that kids are going to ask questions. Verse 26 says this, when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? That's going to give you a chance as a, as a caregiver or a parent or a grandparent or a teacher um, or a mentor. It's going to give you the chance to teach your kids the gospel. It's going to teach, your, you're going to have a chance to tell your kids about the deliverer. Um, that God covered our sin in the blood of his spotless lamb, Jesus, and that he rescued us out of evil and death and that we belong to him forever, and that we're called to live in his promised land. And so let us worship him as they did back then. Verse 27 is the answer. You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshiped. So here we have, the very first catechism. It's the very first question and answer theology lesson given to God's people to pass on to generation after generation. And we follow the catechism format to this day. Consider all of the little boys and girls over the years and generations who experienced this dinner theater catechism year after year. Joshua was one of the first kids to sit down at dinner theater catechism, the Passover meal, and he grew up, as all of us want to grow up, he grew up, and his calling was to bravely lead God's people into the promised land. Or what about Esther? You know, years later, Esther, little girl Esther, would, would be part of Passover. And she would eat it year after year, and she would grow up to become a brave queen who saved millions of people from genocide. What about Samuel? Samuel, who was once just a little boy who didn't know what was going on, he sat at the dinner theater catechism. He ate Passover, and he grew up, too, to become a man of justice and spiritual leadership for a whole nation. But what about Mary? Mary went to Passover also. She sat at this meal, and she learned about God as a deliverer, and she grew up, too, to become a woman of God a mother of God, and her son Jesus, she put on Passover for him. And she taught him about God as deliverer. And he would grow up too to become God's ultimate lamb, God's ultimate deliverer. We celebrate this truth every Sunday when we say, Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. Well, therefore, let us keep the feast. Alleluia. His blood, the blood of Jesus, covers the sin of anyone who asks. His body feeds the souls of anyone who is spiritually hungry. 
And his spirit, the spirit of Jesus, leads us out of slavery in any form, whether it be unjust systems that we're caught in or demonic harassment or habits of sin that are slowly destroying us. He can deliver us from any of them. Our kids need to feed on Jesus. They need the Passover meal of the Eucharist, not just every year, but week after week. They need the Passover story told to them day after day by faithful parents. All that's required is a mouth to eat and ask questions. Um, Let me tell you how this plays out at Emmanuel. It involves everyone. I'm going to talk first about households. That really has been this year the center of our discipleship of our kids this year in our church. Like the earliest Israelites, we feed our kids with the gospel at our own personal tables. This usually does happen at mealtimes because that's when the family gathers, like breakfast or dinner or dessert. Um, So here's what you can do. Um, It can be as simple as one person reading one passage of scripture and then praying as a family in response. Or it could be a discussion about the gospel um, or praying family prayer for the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Uh, it could be reading, just depending on the ages of your kids, the Jesus Storybook Bible or the Action Bible, one of the Damiani family favorites. Now, here's a tool that we are putting into your hands to teach your kids the gospel. It is the Anglican um, catechism called To Be a Christian, To Be a Christian. We're putting this into your hands. It is the question and answer format. For instance, I'm just opening into a random page. How does Jesus fulfill God's law? Question. Question 26. Well, for our sake, Jesus fulfilled God's law by teaching it perfectly, submitting to it wholly, and dying as an atoning sacrifice for our disobedience. That's one important, nourishing part of the gospel. J.I. Packer and a group of Anglican theologians put this together for us to teach our kids what it means to follow Jesus, the truth of Jesus. It covers the Ten Commandments, how to live. It covers the Apostles' Creed, how to believe. And it covers the Lord's Prayer, how to pray. These are classic, strong foundations of what it means to be a Christian. Now, you might be asking, Is this brainwashing? Are we force-feeding our kids, uh, you know, the answers? All right. So let me ask the kids another question. If you didn't have anyone telling you what to eat, you could eat whatever you wanted. So kids at home, think about this. If you could eat whatever you wanted and as much as you wanted, and there was no one to tell you you can't eat that, and there was no one to tell you you can't eat that much, what would you eat? Think about it. All right, now, tell your parents what it is. Tell tell your parents what you would eat if you didn't have any restrictions. Okay, now, parents, I'm going to guess that you are not going to plan your weekly menu based on what you just heard that you're actually going to bring in some lean protein and fresh produce and and make it a part of your meal, not because because you, you think less of your kids, but actually you respect their health so much 
that you are going to give them nutritious food. We catechize our kids because we respect them enough to teach them rich and sound theology in ways that connect with them, in ways that are age-appropriate. And when they are of age, they will have an opportunity to choose for themselves whether or not they're going to say yes to the scriptures, yes to the holy meal, yes to the catechism. And Susan, Deacon Susan's going to talk about that next week when she talks about the rite of confirmation. When kids have an opportunity to say, yes, I want this. Yes, I stand with this. Yes, I receive the gift of baptism and communion. I receive the gift of Jesus. I want to speak to the hearts of parents uh, from my heart, my parents' heart. It takes a lot of patience to do this. It takes a lot of dogged patience, and it takes a lot of restarts to teach your kids and to disciple your kids and to feed them the gospel. Your kids may or may not respond to it with glad hearts. It's messy and imperfect, and it requires a lot of consistent faith on your part. Inasmuch as there's a lot of doggedness and endurance when it comes to meal planning and when it comes to cooking, this is like cooking for our kids, for the next generation, week in, week out. Don't give up. If you've lost heart, um, give it another shot. We also feed our kids not just in households, which is important. We also teach our kids in the household of God, the household of God. This is the place here at Emmanuel Anglican Church on Sundays when things get a little bit more centralized and gathered together, and we pray that in 2021 we can do that more and more. This is the place of dinner theater catechism. Our kids get to hear and sing and taste the gospel week in, week out, until they achieve maturity in Christ. As one pastor said, communion is a special meal, a Thanksgiving party with Jesus. The church is a family which eats together and loves each other. Love is being accepted just as you are for nothing. And just as food is for health and growth, communion nourishes us. We feed them the Eucharist, but we also feed them the gospel, especially in the classes that happen on a Sunday morning. Right now, they're happening over Zoom. Eventually, they're all going to be happening local, uh, locally here. Um, and it takes, let me tell you something, t- speak to you who are not parents. It takes a whole church to feed the next generation. We can't do it without your help. We really need you. We did a count recently. Our director of Next Generation Ministries did a survey of all active kids within Emmanuel Anglican Church post-pandemic. And right now, between the ages of zero and 18, we have 60 kids. We've never had more kids in our church. And we are right now in an all-hands-on-deck moment for our Next Generation Ministries. We need people to be praying for this next generation, that they would receive and grow up in um, the the gospel of Jesus, um, and that they would be uh, carrying the mission of the spiritual beacon that God has given us and God's given to his larger church into the next generation. We We need you to pray for our kids. 
We also need many of you to teach and shepherd our kids in Sunday morning, as well as um, the youth group that we have, our tribe youth group that got launched this last year. Um, And so if you're looking for a way to be involved, consider that God may be calling you to actively support the catechism of the next generation of our kids. And I want to say to those of you who have been involved, and especially those of you who have done some of the most creative children's teaching I have ever seen and and made it possible for our kids to, to stay connected and continue to grow up in Christ in this last year, I want to say thank you. I've been so honored and inspired by your creativity and by your investment in our youth, in our kids, um, and in the next generation. If you want to take a step to get involved, I've got an email address for you, and it's jennifer at emmanuelanglican.org. Tell her I'd like more information about the Next Generation Ministries, and she'll give you some more, more information about what it would look like to be involved. Um, This is an awesome ministry to serve in. Jen is an awesome leader of youth and children's ministry. Um, So take a step, lend your hand. When my dad was a school-age boy, his mother read the scriptures to him and his brother um, every day at the dinner table, and they resisted her actively. They hated it. She would sometimes read scripture like straight through. Um, She passed, unfortunately, when my dad was 15. But while she still had breath before cancer took her, she was apparently one of the most dogged, loyal, and strong women um, in, in my dad's life and in my uncle's life. And she just read the scriptures while they made all kinds of chaos and noise. She just kept reading the story of Israel, kept reading the Gospels, um, and they didn't like it. Years down the road, my dad got a bow and arrow set as a gift, and he went outside to the backyard, and he took that. It was a toy toy bow and arrow set, and he aimed at a bird, and he let the arrow go, and I think probably guided by the hand of God, that arrow went straight into the heart of a bird that he aimed at. Like, that's not supposed to happen with a toy bow and arrow set. The bird dropped dead on the spot. And as the arrow sunk into the bird's heart, the words that my grandmother originally read to him at the dinner table, thou shalt not kill, sunk into his heart, and he was speaking about humans, but it was enough for the Holy Spirit to help him just see the sin inside. And he took the bow, and he snapped it in half, and he burst into tears. And he, at that moment, said, okay, Jesus, you got me now. I'll follow you now. Began a long journey for him of growing up in Christ. But eventually, he taught me. He was the one to lead me to Jesus and my sisters to Jesus. I'm so thankful that my grandmother had the faith to keep, to keep reading, to keep teaching, to keep feeding. You know, every kid wants to grow up. 
And the Lord has entrusted our church with a lot of mouths to feed <laughs> with the gospel and the, and the Eucharist. So let's fulfill our vows that we make every time we renew our baptism vows and every time a child is baptized, our vows that we will do all in our power to support these persons in their life in Christ. I'll end with a very powerful collect, a prayer collect that we prayed every Sunday at the church that I served in in Washington, D.C. And I'll invite you to pray with me. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, you have blessed our congregation with the joy and care of children. Give us courage, patience, and wisdom as we bring them up in the faith that they might never know a day apart from you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.